Our spiritual theme for the month of April is wholeness. This morning, as we honor the celebration of Earth Day, a day or two in advance, we're going to explore together the possibilities of new ways of being in relationship with one another and with our planet. In our tradition of Unitarian Universalism, we believe in deeds, not creeds. We organize ourselves and we base our religious life in covenants, in promises that we make to one another about how we're going to be and how we're going to behave. It's fair to say that in our covenant with one another and with our planet that we have, as a human race, come out of right relationship. Now we do this, I I don't say if we do this, I do when, I say when because we do come out, we are human, we come out of right relationship. But today let us in the aftermath of yet more destructive tornadoes and more unexpected storms and more devastation. Let us explore together our way back into right relationship. Our pathway to that is to remember the sacred. So I invite us into the spirit of worship with these words from the Reverend Stephen Schick. He is a Unitarian Universalist minister and a, shall we say, seasoned justice warrior, especially in environmental justice. This piece is called The Gift. He says, the gift was given, this we know, After bursting from a hen's egg, the creator gave it. After opening a pea pod, the creator gave it. From the dust of the earth, the creator gave it. The gift was given, so some say, and we came out of the wind cave with the prairie dogs, the buffalo, the elk, the deer. The time was ready, so we came out fashioned from this earth for this earth as a gift to this earth so we might give back the fruit of love for this earth. Will you join me in the spirit of prayer, calling again on the guardians of the north, the east, the south, and the west the guardians and the earth that is our life support system, and the guardians that are the hearts of our friends, our fellow community members, our loved ones, those we know and those we have yet to meet, that we might have the grace, the courage, and the spirit to continue to be a force for healing in this world. That we might recognize our resilience, 
and the infinite love we have in our hearts for one another. Blessed be. Good morning. morning. I'm Tammy Gappin, and I'm here to talk a little bit about Earth Day. Some of you might know that while I was growing up in the 1960s and 70s, I watched the ecology activists on TV urging everybody to recycle, stop littering, and use less gasoline. And as you all can see, it's time to revisit that message of environmental care. I've always loved the wild places and those who loved in them, fresh air, clean water. So for me, protecting our earth is a big priority. And when we moved to Maryland back in 2011, we found Unitarian Universalism. The seventh principle got my attention, and that was a real key factor for me in joining this faith. Now, I know we all have our favorite principle, and we don't know exactly all the numbers. So the seventh principle is respect for the interdependent web of all existence of which we are a part. It's kind of the Earth Day principle, the tree hugger principle. You know, those are the ones I like. So I'm here to suggest that to we live together, we work together to live our seventh principle by starting the journey toward becoming a UUA green sanctuary. Working on this program will lead us to align our UU values with our daily actions at home and here at church. And there's the potential for saving money as we get our homes and our church more energy efficient. So that's a plus. So what is this Green Sanctuary program? Well, in a nutshell, it is a program that provides structure to engage with environmental and climate issues and grow in awareness and action. To do this, we, yeah, we, all of us, perform a self-assessment, write a plan, and complete projects. Those projects will be in four different areas. Environmental justice, worship and celebration, religious education, and sustainable living. Now keep in mind this is a two to three year project. We can't do it all in a week. And we're not expected to. So why? What's, what is the benefit to this? What are we going to get out of this? Walking this path will benefit us in many ways, both individually and as a faith community. We will learn and grow together through education programs, learning how our actions impact the climate, and working with other faith groups to bring positive change to our community. So what kind of things are we going to do? I mean, what does that mean? So to bring some clarity to that, I looked to see what other green UU sanctuaries have already done to kind of give us a little bit of idea. Now, just remember, we can get creative with this. And that's the fun part. Education can be movie nights, book reviews, guest speakers. There can be hikes or volunteering to plant trees in parks. So some of those examples, UU in Newark, Delaware, fairly nearby. Their green action team focuses on different types of recycling, and not the usual recycling, the different kinds, like what to do with holiday trees. And my favorite part, they recycle styrofoam. Styrofoam. They collect it at their church, and then their green team takes it to the recycling center. How's that for unique? 
UU Chester River, that's down in Chestertown, Maryland. Their, their green sanctuary activities are having a winter, winter solstice service, spring equinox, sock burning potluck dinner, <laughs> book discussions, often with the authors present, environmental talks, tree identification and tagging, and that's, that's just the tip of the iceberg. They have a lot more they do. UU Lancaster, their projects are having a native garden, recycling, children's education, speakers, neighborhood cleanups, and more, of course. UU Towson, who our green team met with just last month, they use only reusable coffee mugs when they serve their fair trade coffee. No paper, no foam, reusable only. They also sell fair trade chocolate. Yes. So, my question, are you ready to go green? Come on, are you ready? All right, let's do this. Please join me, Noreen uh, Anderson, Sue Knauss, Mark Petriquin, and Ron and J. Sue Henry. We're the green team so far. So join us and let's do it. Thank you. From Eagle Rock to Standing Rock. This is a poem by Cecilia Rose Lapointe, a young woman who weaves together her Anishina Abe heritage, First Nations, Native American, Metis heritage, two-spirit identities, and whose cat looks just like mine. <laughs> we bonded over this. Every treaty broken. Meanwhile, genocidal amnesia plagues the land. We have never left the land. We have always spoken for the land. We have never left the water. We have always spoken for the water. From Eagle Rock, way up in the UP in the 1842 Treaty of La Pointe Territories, to in Anishina Abe Aki to the Ring of Fire, Atawapiskat, First Nation. Neskantaga, First Nation. Amji Naang, First Nation. To Standing Rock, we join hands across Turtle Island. Our tears become the cleansing waters. Hands on the land, hands on the water, standing for the land, standing for the water. Ancestors, draw, draw near, touch our hearts and souls. As a people, we rise together in prayer. Across Turtle Island, injustice is normalized through militarized and colonial violence. Through denial of indigenous identity, voices, or visibility, our sacred sites are gated with barbed wire and barricades. They tell us our lands are not worthy as a church. Dominion reigns. Eagle Rock is mined below. We have no access to it. Contamination of the soul is welcome, but we, we seek to bring healing. 
The Keweenaw Bay Indian community fought for 12 years. The colonial white government ignores our voices. Colonization has never ended. Security guards sometimes laugh and take pictures. I tell them, this is our land. My heart connected to Mikisi Wa Sin. Through the barbed wire fence, our heart is Mikisi Wa Sin. I love you, my family. I love you, my relatives. I love you, my ancestors. I love you, my land, our land. I love you, our water. Missing, murdered indigenous women, girls, and two spirits. Sex trafficking, the Bakken, Duluth, Thunder Bay, the ports. Broken hearts and broken lives, wounded souls. We never wanted to live this way. The water flows under the steel and iron, and the voice is silenced. She never wanted to live this way. Maybe the water will lead her to safety, to heal, to be renewed. Heart, spirit, land. Water is life. The ancestral soul is rising. We are rising. We are here. We are here with our ancestors, and we are here with the ones to come. We're singing. We are dancing. We are speaking. We are healing. We are love. I asked her if I could share her poem in worship this morning. And she said yes, but if we want her to come to a workshop, she's going to charge an honorarium. <laughs> I said, that's cool. That's cool. And maybe it would be a beautiful thing to have her voice here with us at some point in our green sanctuary process. You see, what the words she uses tell us is that it's all connected. It's all connected. You know, sometimes, sometimes we get caught up in, in, in how they're all different issues, right? I care about gun violence, and I care about the environment, and I care about gender justice, and I care about racism, and I care about in, indigenous peoples, and I care about immigration, and they are, in some ways, all issues that could take lifetimes for, for us to devote to. But the truth is they are all interconnected. I don't know if any of you are Marvel movie fans, but I am, which is embarrassing, but I'm actually <laughs> proud of it, so there. <laughs> I dare you to give me a hard time about it. But you all know about Hail Hydra, the many-headed monster of ancient Greek mythology and the the, the group of, of, of evil in, Mar in the Marvel Universe. The Hydra was a monster where if you cut off one head, two more would spring up. These evils, these evils that, that we seek to challenge, 
because our hearts say we should and our faith says we should. And our reason, what we know is right, says we should. But these evils are like the heads of a hydra. They're all part of one body. And sometimes when we think we're, they're separate, we fall into this thing which is a part of white supremacy culture of competition. If, if we're spending resources on green sanctuary, you're not spending resources on my cause. And I just want us for this morning, for this morning, I want us to try looking through a different lens. A lens that sees the connections between the evil we do to our planetary home and the evil we do when we separate children at the border or when we don't pass legislation to outlaw assault weapons or, 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 or. To Cecilia Rose Lapointe, it doesn't matter which came first the taking of the land or the eradication of a culture or the murders of young girls or the befouling of Standing Rock. They're all connected. To the mother who walked hundreds of miles with her kids to get away from a village taken over by gangs spawned in the United States, it doesn't matter which came first the racism, the imperialism, the militarism. It doesn't matter if she may not ever see her children again. Seeing it all as interconnected, I know, I know my beloved, I know it takes us to a place where it, it can feel even more difficult. And I want you to know that I understand that and that it's difficult for me too because it's overwhelming. And the, the thing, at least for me, the thing rises in my throat and I, it catches in my throat and I go, oh my God, we've missed so many chances. As a, as a human race. We've missed so many chances to stop this thing. Hydras are hard to stop. But a colleague of mine, of whom I've never met, but someday I hope to meet him, the Reverend Justin Schroeder, has said in a, in a sermon that I think is absolutely brilliant, he talks about this feeling too, and he says, he asks this question that is so profound, he says, who does my ben despair benefit? Who benefits when I allow my own despair to bring me to my knees and paralyze me? You know the answer to who benefits. The hydra benefits of consumerism and climate denial, the hydra of white supremacy culture, 
That's what benefits. I'm not suggesting that you and I deny the despair that we might feel. We have to feel it. We have to acknowledge the grief. We have to sing to our mother, our mother earth. We have to honor the ancestors. But we also have to kind of put our big girl and big boy panties on and keep moving and keep moving forward. Understanding as those who have been in these in these battles for 500 years know that we may not see any difference in our lifetime but still but still any change any change that you and I right now, right here, that we make this morning, even if it's a change in how we think about things, even if it's our heart opening just a little bit more, even if it's excitement about what we can accomplish together as community, any change that we make will ripple out. Just like any decision we make, to remain in our fear, in our despair, and in our silence will ripple out too. You and I didn't choose this legacy of violence. We didn't choose, we didn't decide whether or not we wanted to be shaped by a culture that worships violence, that worships hierarchies. We didn't choose this. But if we choose not to recognize the degree to which we've been shaped by it, then we will not be able to change it. In 1493, Pope Alexander VI known for many things, including being the father of Lucretia Borgia and other unsavory characters, <laughs> including also for being of Spanish descent, which made him even more repugnant to the eyes of his fellow cardinals in Rome. Pope Alexander VI gave a giant gift to the monarchy in Spain by issuing one of the most perhaps the most consequential document in papal history. They're called bulls. <laughs> this one really is. It's known as the Doctrine of Discovery. But in this doctrine, Pope Alexander, who I guess must have you know, woken up on the right side of the bed that day, decided to give, on the authority of God and St. Peter in that order, to give all the lands and the peoples 100 leagues west of the Azores Islands, from the Arctic to the Antarctic, to the monarchy of Spain. With one exception, they could have all of it, 
all of the people, all of the land, except any land that had already been claimed by another Christian king. Honor among thieves is the way I take it, but. In that document, he wrote the following. And we make a point and depute you and your said heirs and successors, lords of them, with full and free power, authority, and jurisdiction of every kind. He was giving them the land. He was giving them the human beings who lived on this land. And he was calling them the lords of creation. He empowered them to Christianize by force if necessary and to enslave all of the populations that they encountered, which, as we know, they did. When John Smith traveled, Captain John Smith traveled to this part of the world where we, you and I, are worshiping together this morning, he encountered members of the First Nations peoples who lived here and described them as savages and barbarous after they had brought him and his men gifts. Well, most of us don't know, at least I didn't know until I started doing reading, was that our founding fathers, whom we are often proud to, to describe as, as leaders who separated church from state. In 1823, I believe, the Supreme Court of the young United States adopted Pope Alexander's document verbatim. The Protestant leaders of our country found this Catholic document extremely useful to pursue the conquest and the colonization of what is now our United States. They kept it pretty quiet, but they still, still they did it. I bring these things up because it is the legacy you and I did not choose. We didn't choose to be descended from the Paxton boys. Do you know that story? Anybody here know that story? What we believe is that the leading the, or the largest group of native peoples in this area was, was a group that came to be known as the Susquehannocks. Well, that was probably not their, their original name. And after time, a period of time, their numbers, as many other First Nations peoples, their numbers had dwindled. And there was a small village not far from here, a group of Irish Presbyterians who came to be known as the Paxton Boys for reasons nobody quite understands, came, rode into this village with hatchets and murdered everyone who was there. The authorities, the magistrates in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, rounded up those residents of the village who, who were not there when this happened and took them to the workhouse in Lancaster for their safety. And when the Paxton boys realized that there were some who had escaped, they broke into the workhouse and murdered the children and their parents who were there. 
and rode away without any consequences. I'm not saying this to cause any of us pain. I'm saying this because this is what we have inherited. Even Benjamin Franklin was, was shocked that this had happened. We did not ask for this legacy. But can you understand how it is that somehow you and I were raised to believe that the land belonged to us? That the land was there, not as a part of the web that Tammy, I'm so glad you were not as a part of an interdependent web, but somehow there for our use, for us to own, for us to close off when, when we get full. <laughs> I never heard of a country being full before, but that's, I'll, I'll work that out when I go to the gym today. We can understand why, why we have this. So here's what I'm going to invite you to do today, and maybe moving forward, as I hope we continue to work together to become a green sanctuary and to you know, sort of challenge this hydra in all of its aspects. Imagine yourself in a different relationship with our earth. Imagine as you go outside this morning or maybe at some point take your shoes off and walk in the grass or look up at the sky. Imagine that this is all sacred space and that you are sacred too. Challenge in your own mind, the notions of ownership and boundaries and lordship. Explore that relationship. Let it grow. Look at your little seedlings outside, out, out in the lobby. They're like this high now. Think of us as a growing, loving, healing circle of life. Amen, dear ones, and blessed be.